Last week's message was marriage. This week we're asking a question, what is a righteous man? What is a righteous man? Over winter break, me and the fam went to the movies, y'all. Yes, yes, I love to go to the movies whenever I can. Don't always get an opportunity to do so, but when I do, I got to do it. And so uh, we went out uh, to the show, and we went to go see Spider-Man No Way Home. And the brain trust has already kicked in. Uh, it was an enjoyable, an enjoyable movie. And if I'm being honest, I simply, I'm, on, I'm just as honest, y'all, I'm not lying. I simply went to the show just to watch the movie. That was my only intent. I was going to go there. I was going to enjoy the movie. I was going to get up Corey, and I was going to leave. That's what I was going to do. I was going to watch the movie, enjoy some popcorn, and leave. But before it was over, the movie started preaching to me, y'all. Yes, it did. And the movie preached so well, I wrote Spider-Man a love offering for $100 and gave my life to Jesus right there <laughs> in the show. Spider-Man helped me find my way home. Yes, he did. Some of y'all will catch the word play there a little bit later. There it is. Did you see how I slipped it in there? I kind of just tucked it right on up in there. There it is. In the movie, teenage Spider-Man is desirous to go to college, but is having a hard time getting accepted. Because everyone knows who he is and, and is stopping his friends as well from getting in because of their association with Spider-Man. He therefore goes to Dr. Strange in hope of a solution, a solution that would erase him from the memories of everyone that associates Spider-Man with Peter Parker. Well, long story short, this solution goes south and it opens up the multiverse and bring several Spidey villains into this Spider-Man's world. Dr. Strange is on a mission to get each villain back to his world where he would eventually die. However, Spider-Man wants to give them a chance to live. He wants to give them a chance to choose what kind of man they want to be. Green Goblin, do you want to be a wicked man or a righteous man? Doc, ah, what kind of man do you want to be? A wicked man or a righteous man? Come here, Electro. What kind of man do you want to be? That's Jamie Foxx. I happen to be my favorite character there. You know. A wicked man or a righteous man? Come here, Lizard. What kind of man do you want to be? A wicked man? or a righteous man. Spider-Man wants to send each of these men back into their world new, changed, different, is what he wants. He wants them to be good instead of bad. Although this movie, although this is a movie, it does preach to us this morning, man, in the room. It springs on us a question this morning, man, in the room. What kind of man do you want to be? Uh, I think I need to say that again. I need you to catch that. I don't want it to escape you. I don't want it to zoom past your ears in such a way that you didn't hear what I just said. Let me bring it back. Spider-Man preaches to us this morning, man. We are out of the movie and now we're in reality. What kind of man do you want to be? Man, my question to you is, do you want to be a man according to the world? 
or do you want to be a man according to God? See, the biggest question in life is not what am I here for, but who am I here for? Not what am I here for, but who am I here for? And I don't know about you, but I want to be here for God. And who you are here for is not determined just by your lips, but by your life also. And in the Old Testament, Joshua told the people, before they crossed over into the promised land, to choose this day whom they would serve. Or you can say, live for. Man, today, we need to make a choice. What kind of men will we be? Wicked or righteous? Ladies, it's important that you take notes so you're able to not only identify a righteous man, help raise righteous men, but so you might also protect yourself against wicked men. Our text today is about counsel and advice and persuasion for us men to be righteous men. But why be a righteous man? Why choose to be a, a righteous man when there's all kinds of, uh, of choices that you have, although there's two paths, righteous or wicked. But, but, but why choose to be a righteous man? And I hope to answer that today. But if you will make a decision between a righteous man and a wicked man, we must all get on the same page this morning. I want to make sure we arrive at the same place at the same time. No excuses. Everybody at the same place. You need to understand what is a righteous man. What is a righteous man? Oftentimes, I hear from my sisters, yes, I do, yes, 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 I hear from my sisters, brothers, who are trying to honor the Lord. Pastor, where are the men? Or I hear, what is a man? What is manhood? I mean, what makes a man a man outside of the plumbing system God gave him at birth that determines if he is a male or female? We don't need males as much as we need men, and please don't get the two confused. I mean, what is a man? What is manhood? Oftentimes, man and manhood is rooted, sadly and unfortunately, in the car he drives. I drive a minivan, so if that was the case, <laughs> oh, I'd be way, Eric, I'd be way down there on the totem pole. Or it's defined by the job he has the wealth he accumulates, the body count. For the hood people, you know what I'm talking about. The strength, testosterone, performance in bed. Watch this tilt, burping. Yeah, just kind of tilted right there. Or the subjugation of women. There is so much toxic masculinity out there, so many toxic definitions of masculinity. It is crazy. This week, I was sent uh, this, this thing that happened not too long ago about these two teen boys uh, that killed this other teenager. And the one said he started shooting because his friends started shooting and he felt that he had to, as if his identity was in pulling the trigger. Man, how would you answer those questions? What is a man? What is, what is manhood? Well, I mean, come on, we all know what a man is, don't we? If you had a 10-year-old son and he asked you, Daddy, what is a man? 
he is, in effect, asking, who am I? What am I to become? What would you tell him? Would you tell him something that would make him think that a man is measured by his achievement, accolades, and accomplishments? Because if we're being honest, we males are reminded at birth without getting these straight A's, achievement, accolades, and accomplishments, we can't pass as a man. And if we don't meet these standards, that we are worthless. Therefore, we spend most of our lives concerned about performance with little to no concern about our character. We have little concern about being, being a guy with character. Why? As Brian Lorenz points out, this is because the world reminds us that good guys finish last. But in our text today, Glory be to God. In our text today, we are reminded that the righteous dudes finish first. Oh, listen up, Electro and Green Goblin. What is a righteous man? I wanted to find a righteous man as follows. A righteous man is a biological male human who roots his life in God and submits his life under the rule and reign of God. What does that look like practically? You know, we love amen and definitions. But what does that look like practically? How can you identify a righteous man? How can, you, how can you say, there's a righteous man, there's a righteous man? How can you identify what a righteous, when you see a righteous man? Number one, a righteous man is known by his decisions. It says this in the verse, blessed is the man who walk not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You'll notice immediately in this psalm that the righteous man is separated in his walk of life. The psalmist separates the righteous man. He, the righteous man has chosen to listen to God rather than to the wicked. Be careful who you listen to, men. Be careful what social media head you decide to let shape who you are, whether it's spiritually or unspiritually. Be careful. Here it is. Just keep looking at me. Be careful who you let slide in your DMs. And be careful who DMs you slide into. Just going to hit that both ways. You know, you got to hit it both ways. This psalm suggests to us that we can identify a righteous man more by his legs than by his lips. The biggest difference between the righteous man and the wicked man is the righteous man takes God seriously and the wicked man doesn't. The righteous man takes God seriously and the wicked man does not. The word wicked comes from a Hebrew word meaning loose or out of joint. In our modern vernacular, it refers to a person who hangs loose about God. He doesn't take God seriously, thus disregard God's word. You see, church, a righteous man takes God seriously by both listening and obeying. Let me say it again. A righteous man takes God seriously by both listening and obeying. Remember what James tells us, to be both hearers and Somebody know their word in here. A man is not righteous 
because he comes to church. I know many of you ladies have got slipped up by that. You see I'm looking down because the arrows may come. Yeah, Demita, they, 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 they get caught up because, because they think because, because he comes to church that he's righteous. I, I got news for you this morning. The devil comes to church as, as, as well. He does. Yes, he does. Sometimes, and I'm not talking about the people in the front row, but sometimes he's in the front row. I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying y'all. I'm talking about the other devil. All right. I ain't sitting in the front row no more. Call me a devil. He is righteous when he obey God and not the world. Keep you crazy. Man, we don't really have to wonder what righteousness looks like, do we? We don't have to wonder what is righteousness lived out in flesh and bone. Jesus is not only the greatest man that has ever lived, but a perfect man. And he is our prototype. What a righteous man does is that he sees Jesus, he sees Jesus in the scripture, and what he does is the righteous man then traces his life after the Savior, after the Redeemer, after the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. The righteous man is bent on tracing his life after Jesus. And see, y'all, I know a little bit about tracing because of my five-year-old daughter. This is all Lila does is trace. In fact, we went to uh, the pancake house yesterday, and, and you know, they give kids those little sheets of paper, and she says, Daddy, she's always making me do stuff that I don't want to do. Uh, and she says, Daddy, I want you to trace with me. And of course, she takes her crayon, and she begins to trace the girl's face, and then there's another option for her to trace the bear, and she begins to trace the bear. And so, and so in that moment, Lila is teaching us something, if you can listen. She traces letters, and she traces numbers. It's called one of those tracing books. And tracing is different than creating. She's not making up numbers or letters. Instead, all she has to do is follow the dotted line. And y'all know how hard it is for us to follow the dotted line. But that's all she really has to do. She makes the letter A by simply tracing or following the prototype. Man, Jesus is our dotted line. All we have to do is trace him. But I know, I know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, but you know, you, uh, you know what my daughter doesn't always do? She doesn't always trace correctly. I remember one time her teacher met with us to give us an update on her numbers and her letter development. I was excited to go. Uh, went there, of course, right? I got, you know, when I go see teachers, I got all kinds of questions for them or whatever. So I go there, and she shows my wife and I this paper. And she smiles at us as she shows us this paper. She says, Lila is doing great. And I'm looking at the paper like, no, she ain't doing too great. <laughs> oh, I don't know what great is to you, but that ain't great. <laughs> like, you need to repeat this class. And then the teacher says, no, Mr. Harris, you don't get it. It doesn't look like much, but we call this controlled scribble. Preach to me, teacher. We can see the letters and the numbers starting to form in her writing, although not perfectly. 
a closer look and I can tell that there was almost a five in there. There was almost an L in there. And man, that's us when it comes to tracing Jesus. We don't have to do it perfectly, but as we continue to walk, our lives may not be perfect, but we'll start having controlled scribbles in our lives. And here's the good news is not only is God calling you to trace, but he'll give you the grace to trace. I had 10 men in here who knew that God has been giving you grace to trace. Let's be honest. Tracing one life after Jesus. We just shouted, but come on back down here. Uh, tracing one life will after Jesus. It's not easy. No, it's not. It's not easy. Can you feel the struggle in me right now? Uh, it's not easy. It's not easy, not just for men, but for women as well. But let me talk to the man for a second. One of the hardest things about being a righteous man is that the walk can feel lonely and different. Can we talk this morning? Can we have a conversation at the same table this morning? It could be lonely. How? When a man decides to walk with God, he at the same time decides not to walk with the wicked friends he once had. Doesn't mean he can't have wicked friends. Let me be clear. Because some of y'all get saved, and, and y'all won't leave the church building. Y'all just, y'all just hitting there. That's not what he's saying. It means he no longer takes them up on their invitation to do wicked. See, the psalmist talks about how we progress in wickedness first, right? He tells us first, first he says, do not listen, right? Which means, which means don't consider. He says, don't stand, which means don't participate. He says, don't sit, which means don't brag about wickedness, because first, before we do wickedness, there's consideration, then there's participation, and then we brag about it. See, I brought an illustration because I knew some of y'all wouldn't know what I'm talking about. Y'all remember Smokey from Friday, right? Y'all going to ask Churchy or y'all going to be honest up here? Y'all remember Smokey. Come on, Craig. I'm going to get you high, Craig. And what does Craig do? Craig considers it. Uh, you know, you know, I ain't got my job no more. That's about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be better to do. If I carry the one, drop the two, move it over three. Yeah, okay, okay. And then what does Craig do? He didn't participate. And then he brags about it until he gets caught up. Until it almost kills Craig. And this is why you can't listen to wicked folks. Because every path that they sing you on is a dead end every single time. You got to ignore the smoky in your life and you got to ignore the green goblin in your life. They want to trample and, and break down their communities. They want to use women and righteous men say no thank you to those things and that's all right. The righteous man also doesn't behave like the wicked. The Bible says any man be in Christ, the old is gone, the new is here. The righteous man doesn't, doesn't belong with the wicked. He feels out of place. And where the righteous path can become difficult for a man and problematic is that manhood in America is already lonely before Christ. Manhood is rooted in loneliness. <laughs> There's a lot of lonely men. The Bible warns us about loneliness and encourages us towards community. 
It's just not good enough to avoid the wrong people. We need to run with the right people. God said of Adam that it's not good for man to be alone. Proverbs says that he who isolates himself is a fool. I better read that one again. Proverbs says that he who isolates himself is a fool. In the New Testament, the phrase one another is used, check this out, y'all, over a hundred times. God wants us to experience the joys, listen, man, of rich, meaningful, and life-giving community. No, 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 not this phony, what's up, bruh? I ain't going to open up to you. I'm a man all by myself. I'll come around you, but nobody can know what's going on inside of me. Nobody can know the struggles that I'm going through. No, that's not what God wants you to have, man. God wants you to have the joy of rich, meaningful, and life-giving community. Man, if you try to walk this righteous path alone, you will not last very long. But together with other brothers and sisters, we can go far. One preacher tells this story of these trees he saw while he was on vacation. And they were situated at the top of Cali and at the bottom of Oregon. And, and he talks about how tall these trees are. He said they carved a hole at the bottom of one of these trees to make room for an expressway. These trees, he says, he says they're majestic, y'all. He says that they grow to be three to 400 feet tall. These are some tall trees. They are about 18 to 20 feet in diameter, which means when they fall, they're still taller than you and I. And many of these trees have been there for hundreds and some thousands of years. But as big and as majestic as these trees are, their roots don't go that deep. And because the roots are not deep, they are a fall risk. They are tall, they are strong, but they're top-heavy, and they fall easily. But you say, Pastor, I'm listening to you, and I know some of y'all are real educated out there. And so you're doing the math, and you say, hold on, Pastor, something ain't adding up. If the roots are not that deep, but the tree is tall, how is it still standing for thousands of years? Keep on listening. The reason that they are still standing is because although their roots don't go deep, these trees grow close to one another, and their roots start to intertwine with one another. And as you walk, you got to watch the roots because you'll trip over the roots. But the trees are not strong because they're tall. They're strong because they're holding one another up. And brothers, what I'm trying to tell you this morning is you got to get some roots tangled in community so that you don't fall over. Oh, the way you be strong is sometimes you need some brothers in your life that'll hold your tail up because sometimes life will hit you with some things that'll rock your world. I'm talking, you ever got hit so hard by life that you had to look and see if you still have faith in your heart? You ever got hit so hard in your life that you got depressed? You ain't want to be around nobody. You didn't want to talk to nobody. But here's the beautiful thing, brothers, is that when we got brothers in our lives, that we're growing up close to, and roots begin to interlock. The things that should knock us over 
can't knock us over. Because in order to knock me over, you got to knock all of us over. I wish I had a church this morning. I'm preaching better than y'all talking back to me. You ever had some folks that wouldn't let you fall? You ever had some folks that came knocking on your door after they didn't hear from you long enough? They said, oh, you ain't going down today. We're going to pray for you. We're going to show up for you. The things that should have knocked you over couldn't knock you over because you had some folks that prayed for you. A few weeks ago, we had a G3 in a man's breakfast. I think I got a picture there. Yeah, this is our man's breakfast uh, a couple weeks ago. I was so happy, y'all. To see man not only together, but in that moment to see man open up and be vulnerable. It was a blow to Satan because there was man there that discovered that they were not the only man walking and wanting to walk with God. Because sometimes you think it's just you. A righteous man's desire to be with other brothers. Oh, what joy it is to see man admitting that they need other brothers. Willing to stand next to one another. Here's another quick note about a righteous man, and there's many notes that I can give, but a righteous man protects women. Not in the way that some of us may think or see so in the movies, where they display women as weak and incapable of doing anything without a man. Although I believe men and women need each other, but that's not what I'm talking about. No. A righteous man protects a woman in this sense. He protects her inherent dignity. He protects her rights. He stands up against the system of misogyny and injustice that treat women like second-class citizens and keep them docile. A righteous man will not stand for it. Hey, 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 you want to be a righteous, strong man? Put your life on the line for your sisters. But the Psalms go on to talk about how to identify a righteous man, not only by his decisions, but by his delight. See, a righteous man is known by his delight, not just his decisions. Look at it, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, what does it say, Mr. Keith? He meditates what? Day and night. Y'all remember the old song. I only think of you on, on two occasions. See, now, if you don't listen, if you don't listen to the rest of the song, you'll think that he's insulting her. Uh, but if you listen to the rest of the song, he says that's day and that's night. Notice the righteous man is in love with God's word. It's as if the psalmist is trying to paint as best he can with his pen that the word has captured his affection. And he's caught up in God. He's He's in love with God. The writer explains the motivating force behind the living of the righteous man. He's in love with God's word. You ever seen a man fall in love? Uh, when a man falls in love with something, he, he, I mean, he's another person. You, you, you almost can't recognize him. Uh, brother, what's going on with you? Whatever he falls in love with can get him to do almost anything. I figure some of you, the scriptures wouldn't be enough. So, uh, and as poetic as the Psalms is, I brought another lyrical poet. Uh, Y'all remember the Isley Brothers? Yes, yes. Come here, Brother Isley. He had a song called You Are Are Love. Maybe some of y'all remember. In that song, they say, 
uh, uh, in that song, he says, uh, uh, you're, you're, you're the positive, motivating force within my life. Ooh, that's good. That's good right there. Y'all, yeah, 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 y'all remember this? Oh, y'all gonna act like y'all know what I'm talking about. That man in love right there. He in love right there. Look at that right there. That's how some of y'all got here. Here it is, here it is. Watch it, watch it, watch it. Turn it off, turn it off, turn it off before I go somewhere else. I don't need to be. Turn it off before I go somewhere else. I'm going, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm getting up out of here. I'm getting up out of here. Let me hurry up and finish this sermon up now. He says, did y'all catch it? He says, you're the positive, motivating force within my life. What a word. What a, what a phrase. A positive, motivating force. A force is something that moves something. It takes you from being cavalier and then laid back and it moves you to do something. He says, should you ever feel the need to wonder why? Let me know because I got a positive, motivating force in my life to move for you. And what the writer is saying is that the word of God is the positive, motivating force in the life of the righteous man. Ladies, y'all better catch this. You got to figure out what is his positive, motivating force. Because if that positive, motivating force ain't God, you're going to be forcing him to do all kind of things later on. But if God is his positive, motivating force, you ain't got to do much because when God is moving him, you ain't got to beg for him to treat you right and to do right and to respect your rights and to stand up when God is the positive, motivating force. Listen, man, God's word has to be more than a Sunday sermon. It has to be more than a check in the box. But it has to be air in your lungs. It has to be wind beneath your wing. It has to be the positive, motivating force in your life. Oh, the word will make you do some crazy stuff. You think falling in love with other things, creation, will make you do some crazy stuff. But the word of God will make you do some crazy stuff. But the crazy stuff that the word of God will make you do leads to life. It leads to goodness. It leads to joy. But God, I have you doing some crazy sacrifices, getting rid of things. I don't want to do that no more. I don't want to do that no more. I want to sacrifice. I want to give to people. I remember when I started changing I was like, what in the world? What's going on? What was going on? If you ain't had that conversation with yourself, you check your salvation. Because at some point, you got to be like, who in the world? You got to pull yourself. Come here. Come here. <laughs> who in the world are you, huh? You just having a conversation. You just go, okay, okay, you going to do it. You going to be loving like that? Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Brothers, the word of God has to be the motivating force in your life. Now, the word here for law is Torah. It simply means instruction, not information, but instruction. Information is broad, it's random. Instructions is specific and assumes guidance. What he's saying is the word of God instructs the righteous man. It shows him the way he is to walk. It's his GPS, if you will, and 450 feet turn left. He bends his life to it, right? Not only that, but the righteous man delights in God's word, meditating on it day. He doesn't just have quiet time in the morning, then goes about the rest of his day forgetting what God has said. No, he meditates on God's word. In fact, the word meditates means to constantly chew or, mo or, or molding over. This is a man of the word. 
And as a result of him living under the word of God, he become righteous that is clean. Man, one of the side effects of living under the authority of God's word is we become clean. <clears throat> when we soak ourselves in God's word, over time, we become clean. Growing up, we didn't have a dishwasher, y'all. Chris, maybe you could relate to this. Uh, dishwashing is traumatizing for some of us. <laughs> My kids wouldn't know. They wouldn't understand. But uh, so some of us in the room, we understand what it is to, to wash dishes. And for some reason, my son thinks the dishes on the stove are not dishes. <laughs> some of y'all are starting to, some of y'all are catching up. Y'all know the hardest dishes to wash are the ones on the stove. Them stove dishes don't only mess kids up. Those dishes have messed marriages up. This is no joke. You them did don't play with them did them dishes serious. <laughs> you leave them eggs in there too long, or oh, that spaghetti, and that sauce gets stuck to that pot. It's gonna be hard. But 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 here's I told my son, I got a trick for you, son. See, I discovered as a young boy that if you let the pan soak in the water for a long period of time, you just you just let it sit and you let it long. Not leave it long, let it long. You just, you just let it long, and you just, you just let it sit there. And if you let it sit there long enough, if you let it meditate in the water long enough, you know what will happen to those hard eggs in that spaghetti sauce? It'll just, it'll just slide right on off. It'll just, just like that, just slide right on off. You don't have to scrub it. You don't have to work hard. You don't have to do much. All you got to do is let it soak. And over time, it'll fall off. For man, what I'm trying to tell you is don't focus on the dirt so much in your life. But focus on the word of God and the dirt will fall off. Yes, it will. It has the ability and the effect. You see, the word will cause things to fall off. But y'all, you'll be glad that your pastor did his homework. Because not only is it good dishwater, y'all, it's also food, according to Job. It'll fill you up. Job 23, 12 and Matthew 4, 4. Not only is it food, it's also milk for babies, according to 1 Peter 2, 2. It's also meat for the growing, according to Hebrews 5, 12, verses 14. It provides all we need to make us strong in the Lord. Not only is it milk for babies, but it's bread for everyday living. Anybody in the room know that it's bread, that it sustains you, and that it keeps you. And I was going to stop right there, y'all, but my soul got happy in my sermon prep, and so I just kept going. So if you don't mind, I'm going to tell you a few more things that it do. Not only is it bread, but it's light. Not only is it light, it's, it's truth. It's a mirror. Oh, the Bible will tell you about yourself. The Bible will get you together. It's the only book in the world that don't just let it read, read. It don't only let you read it, but it wants to read you. I love that Bible. Yes, I do. Now, not only is it that, it's water. It cleanses. It quenches. It refreshes. It's a seed. It's a sword. It's a hammer. It can build you up. It can can tear you down. It's fire. What did Jeremiah say? Although he wanted to quit the preaching business and he kept his resignation paper in his back pocket, but because the word was in his soul, he said it's like fire. 
Anybody ever felt it like fire? I wish I had a church this morning that felt the word like fire shut up in your bone. Even when I want to walk away from it, even when I read it and I say, you know what? I'm not feeling that right now. I'm not digging that right now. Late in the midnight hour, God shows up and that word gets to going. And you say, you know what, God? I'm so sorry. I still love you, Lord. You're so good to me. You've been so good to me. The word is powerful. Man, it is my advice. That you should be righteous, man. Described here in the verse. A righteous man, a biological male, human, who roots his life in God and submits his life under the rule and reign of God. And you will know him, ladies, gentlemen, leaders, government, all institutions, schools, teachers, sons, daughters, you'll know him by his decision and his delights. And don't separate those two because they go together. It is my opinion, this is just me, y'all, it's my opinion that it's far better to be a righteous man than a wicked man. I figured I would get some amens, but that's easier said than done. In Spider-Man No Way Home, the reason why many of the evil men like Lizard and Electro didn't want to choose to be righteous man because they believed that righteous man finished last. And they had Green Goblin in their head telling them they would mount to nothing and they would be everything if they remain wicked. Hear the struggle in the room, the honest conversations that happen in the car, that happen in the parking lot at White Castle, that, that happen at Walmart, that happens in your living room, that happens in your head, that happens in your soul. You don't want to be righteous. You'll be powerless. They'll run over you. You know, you won't have any clout. You won't get this, and you, don't, you won't get this. Hear the green goblin in your head. Watch Electro and Spider-Man. Electro felt it was better if he had all power than to change. You don't know why it was so hard for him to change? Because he felt the power. Yeah, once you feel it, it's so hard to let it go. Seeing it pulls you. It has a, a sense of gravity about it. It's the negative motivating force within us. It feels good to have people give you accolades. It's hard to give those up. When, when the IG followers are to swell up, it's hard to let it go. When, when, when you become somebody on, on Twitter, it's hard to let it go. And, and, and I'm just talking about people who get like five likes, you know. It don't take much for us, you know. It doesn't, doesn't take a whole lot. Ain't none of us blue. Certified in this room, we get like five likes. You see, she, she, girl, they watching me. Ain't nobody, ain't, 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 ain't nobody watching them though. You don't know nobody watching them. <laughs> but it's hard. I love the way that 50 Cent sums it up in the opening song of Power. He says, This is a big rich town. Y'all just keep looking at me. You feel? Don't sing it if you don't want to. I just come from the poorest parts. Illegal or illegal, baby, I gotta make it. 
I never took a straight path nowhere. Life is full of twists and turns. If 50 was here, he would tell you, don't listen to the preacher. Choose the wicked path. Righteous guys finish last. But, but I want to plead this morning. And this is my last point. And I'm in my seat. And I hope you brothers hear me. You should choose the righteous path. But here's why. Because I haven't answered the question of why. Why should we man choose to be the righteous man in our text and not the wicked man? The psalmist answers this question with the very first word in our text. Here it is. I skipped over it, and I did it on purpose, but I'm right back at the beginning. He says, choose the righteous path because the righteous man is blessed. Oh, that doesn't mean much to you. Why should I give myself to being like the righteous man? Because if I do, I will experience the blessed life. But what does this mean, blessed? Because there's so many terms in our society today when it comes to the word blessed. Some of us think that blessed means that, that, that you got a brand new BMW waiting for you if you plant the right seeds in the church. Yes, yeah, yes, blessed means that God is going to expand the square footage of your home. Blessed, blessed means that no suffering would come in my life. We believe that, that, that blessed means all of these things, but the biblical text doesn't argue that. Blessed doesn't necessarily mean those things. Yes, God can bless us, and yes, God can give us good things, but if you go over to, to the Gospel of Matthew, you'll see that the devil offers you nice and shiny things as well. So what does it mean to be blessed? Because, you know, sometimes we use blessed so flippantly. You go to Walmart, have a blessed day. We'll leave today. Bye-bye now. That's how we'll say it because we're trying to keep the real person inside because we ain't got to the parking lot yet. So it's still bye-bye now. <laughs> you catch them in the parking lot, catch them in the parking lot. <laughs> We still, we still, we still blessed. We still in the mold. Uh, 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 bless y'all. Have a great day. Or you say one more word to me, and I'm getting ready to bless you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And we don't mean in a good way. You got one more time to look at me, and you about to get blessed. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all see now, like y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all been blessing folks this week, and that's right exactly what I'm talking about. You have to get blessed. Say one more thing to me. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> but the word blessed simply means happy. Listen up, Electro and Green Goblin, Spider-Man. This is the way home. This is the way to freedom. This is the way to wholeness. The wicked path is not the way home, gentlemen. As we have seen, there are two kinds of man in our text, the righteous and the wicked. Notice how the psalmist describes the wicked man. He says they are like chaff. Now he's using agricultural analogy to describe the wicked. During the winnowing, winnowing process, the farmer had one goal. I love the way that Brian Loris captures this, to separate the chaff from the wheat. He would take the winnowing fork and toss the grain into the air over and over and over. And in that process, the heavier kernels of grain will separate from the lighter chaff and fall to the ground. But the chaff was so light, it would just fly off into the air. It didn't have enough substance or weight to fall down to the ground. It would just blow off. 
And this is interesting in how the psalmist described the wicked man, not much substance. Sure, sure, this brother may be heavy when it comes to his finances and maybe his looks and his possessions. But when it comes to things that really matter in life, like character and integrity, he's like chaff, light, no substance, weightless. I don't know about you, but it breaks my heart to see brothers blowing everywhere. Brothers who have no substance or stability. Brothers with potential blowing everywhere. Living with women and not marrying them. No real ambition or sense of get after itness when it comes to life and career. Still living at home with their parents well into their 20s and 30s. They're depressed and they have no direction and, and, and they feel like they have no, no, no purpose. They're serial starters and never finisher. And the psalmist tells us, don't be like chaff, but be like trees planted by the water. Now, why does he use the analogy of tree to depict the righteous man? I love the way Brian LaRitz captures the importance of trees. The image of trees is used over 250 times in the Bible. What you notice is those who have the word, a positive, motivating force becomes life-giving forces. As a metaphor, the trees are most commonly used to depict a life-giving force. In fact, the Bible opens and closes with the tree of life. And of course, right in the middle of the Bible, there's another tree, and it's called the cross, which gives eternal life to all who yield to Christ. Didn't they put nails in his hand, church? Then they put nails in his feet and a crown of thorns on his head. And in doing so, then he transfer over to us, impute unto us the life that is eternal that cannot be snatched away, learned from the tree. In the natural, trees are powerful, Brian Loritz said. He says that they're life-giving forces. The birds of the air build their nests and raise their young in trees. We eat the fruit from trees, having our lives nourished. We build our homes. We, we, uh, 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 we use wood from the trees for our shelter. Trees give life. What's more, if scientists tells us, he goes on, trees are essential to life. We'll have a hard time breathing without trees since they produce the most oxygen. Trees also contribute to the production of rain. Large forests act as purifiers of air. Even dead trees are essential as they help produce fossil fuels. Scientists tell us that if there were no tree, trees, it would be impossible for us to live here on planet Earth. What's true in the natural is true in the spiritual. Righteous man are trees. The psalmist says, in other words, just like our world needs trees to survive and to be healthy, so our society needs a collection of righteous trees known as godly man. Righteous man are not just something nice to have, but they are necessary and, and produce a healthy society. The worship team is coming back at this time. Man, I want to say to you this morning, listen to me and listen to me good, man, that our kids need righteous trees. Our wives need righteous trees. Our community needs righteous, righteous trees. I love the imagery here. These trees is rooted, which means it's dependable. It's not going to disappear or come crashing down with a little bit of trouble. We need rooted men who our families can count on, who women can trust on. And if desirable, that's if desirable, single women can marry those who are trees. 
We need righteous men that help fight against the pollution of toxic masculinity. We need righteous men who fight against the pollution of injustice and misogyny. Man, as I hasten to a close, I must say that many men don't know if they are chaff or tree. And some will not know until the judgment day. Let it not be so with you. Some of, some of you think you're standing strong and standing tall. Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I'm no righteous man. I came to tell you, God sent a better Spider-Man to rescue you. He sent the God-Man to turn wicked man into righteous man. He truly gives us a way home, a, a way that a home that is not that far away when we draw near to Jesus. I know it might sound strange, but, 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 but God sent another Dr. Strange to get us home. The devil lies to us when he tells us, uh, tells us that there's no way home. But listen, man, we don't have to be wicked. We can be washed in the blood, have all of our sins forgiven, be close to God, no longer enemies of God. We, God will clean you up, put you in your right position, and that's what it means to be blessed. So what will it be? Will it be, fellas, chaff or trees? What will it be? Righteous or wicked? Choose this day what kind of man you will be. Make a choice, goblin. Make a choice, electro. Make a choice, lizard. No, not tomorrow. Do it before it's too late. I know there are men here today that have been on the road of righteousness and it's been hard. And some of you, especially with the pandemic, have been flirting with the thought of leaving the righteous path. You're like, it doesn't feel like we'll finish first. I want to say something to you, men who've been on this journey for some time. Hang in there. Because the verse ends with good news for you. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Because maybe you feel that you're following God, but you feel lost in this pandemic and trying to care and feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Because when you really do this thing, you, you begin to feel the pain of the world and you see how much brokenness there is and how much fatherlessness there is and how much trauma that there is in the world, especially trauma that has been inflicted on our sisters and you feel that pain and, and, and sometimes you feel lonely in that, but I want you to hang on in there because you'll stand in the judgment. You will not be put to shame. You'll make it all work out. You'll be happy. You'll be blessed. Because one day, we'll finally be at home with our Savior.